Well, hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Revelation Wellness Podcast. My name is Elisa Keaton, and today I'm introducing you to Tilly Delahaye. She is the author of the book, Broken Bread. Listen, Christ-centered approach. If feelings and food and your relationship with food and your body has knocked you off course a little bit, listen to Tilly's story. She is honest about her walk and her struggle with anorexia and those disordered thoughts around food. We know this conversation isn't going anywhere. This is why we try to bring you many voices and many stories of people who have struggled just like us and have found Christ in the process. It's amazing. You're going to be blessed by her story. You know, she gives a definition for gluttony today, and I'm not going to tell you. I want you to listen for it, and I want you to write it down, or it is going to stop you in her tracks. And I've, I've heard a lot of quotes about a lot of things about food, you know, been around it for many 20-plus years. What she said today and quoted about gluttony, I was like, that completely rewrites it. It's beautiful. You'll be encouraged. You will not be shamed. If anything, God is embracing you with comfort and crowning you with courage. So enjoy today's podcast. Thanks for leaving reviews. Hey, if you leave a review, we will read it on the air. And if we read it on the air, you will get a Love Greater Than Fear package. So you can do that right now. Just stop, push pause, uh, hit the little magnifying glass on your podcast app, and then you type in Revelation Wellness, Healthy and Whole, and you'll bring the podcast up again in iTunes or in your podcast app. And then scroll the screen and it'll, it'll have a point, a, a place for you to leave a review. We love it. We read all of them. And one of you are going to get read on the air and then we will be sending you a love, greater than fear packet. So thank you so, so much for being a partner on mission with us and leaving all the good news everywhere you go. That's why we're here. We want to keep pouring this into you so you would pour it out. We love you guys so much. Thank you for being on mission and I'll be talking to you again soon. Peace. Tilly, I am so excited to get to be with you today. Your book is right up our alley, as I was saying to you, and I just know people are going to be so blessed by your message, always looking for people who are out there um, kind of figuring it out in terms of, you know, having a spirituality connection with God, loving Jesus, but yet how do we do this in a very physical world? So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Now, tell us a little bit about, we just talked about the book doesn't come out. I think when this goes out, it might be the week the book comes out, everyone. So if we're okay. before or right on it, um, the book is called Broken Bread. And tell people what, why, why'd you write it? Okay. Yeah, I wrote it because, you know, like a lot of women, food is pretty complicated for me. It, ha it has been complicated in various ways for me uh, all my life, pretty much. Um, but I just, I was watching a lot of other women kind of go off, off of center. I felt like when it came to food and these were Christian women, you know, they were strong, um, women who love, love the gospel, love the word of God. Um, but it just, it feels like this area of food sometimes is a little bit divorced from our spiritual life. And so some of the things that I was seeing, you know, I was seeing, I was seeing some, some people kind of. Um, get very, very rigid with rules around food, almost, almost to a religious, you know, extent, yeah. I would say. Um, and then on the other end from that, you know, out of us just struggle with straight up gluttony, um, around yeah. food. And, um, and then I was seeing the ways that 
food would affect our community in the church and the way that we we um, enjoy each other around the table and, and the way that we serve others at the table. So, so that's that's what a, what made me want to write about this topic. And your your husband is a pastor, correct? Of the church, yeah, yeah. Leaders of a mm-hmm. church in mm-hmm. Nashville. Yeah, is we're outside right? of Nashville, actually. Yeah, it's Middle Tennessee, okay. but it's, we're actually in a very, very country rural area, um, about okay. an hour east east of Nashville. So yeah, yeah, I can concur with you on the food and church kind of environment culture. It's always been interesting. I think the same thing. I don't. I'm not interested in legalism of saying that we can't have donuts or we can't have anything. But when the the way we approach the table, it's so interesting as a faith community. And that's really one of the reasons that you wrote the book too, is just to come back to the table as community and faith. And, and it seemed like trying to get back why God gave us food. And I would ask you that, why do you think God gave us food? He gave us food. It has, it has several uses, but he gave it to us to nourish our bodies, obviously. Um, but I think he also gave it as a means of enjoyment for us. He gave it as a good gift and something that we, we would really enjoy. And, um, and, and it would be sort of a way that we have to come back to him and depend on him. We, we depend on him for our daily mm-hmm. bread. Um, and then I think also he gave it as a, as a way for us to connect with each other and, and be intimate with each other on a, mm-hmm. on a community scale. Cause food really does do that. I feel like in the church. And what is your history with food? Okay. What's your personal story with food? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I I spent I think four or five years as an active bulimic um, as a late teenager. Uh, so basically in college and after college, um, and that was you know that was all mixed up in what eventually brought me to the faith was sort of the desperation over, over that stuff. I mean, there was a lot of, there was a lot of mess going on in my life, but that was one of the big things was that that I just couldn't kick, you know? And, um, and then, you know, around, around the time that the Lord really, and so I, I went to a, a biblical counselor um, and I started to learn to cook. And that was a big part of that journey. And, um, and I just think around the time I got married and started having to cook for someone else um, and Food became not just this private thing that you use to punish yourself or to reward yourself, but but really a way of serving and blessing other people. And that was that was a big a big part of it for me. That was very helpful. That's amazing. I'm hearing you say I learned to cook, and I'm like, really? Because I don't <laughs> like can somebody cook. Somebody cook for me. I'm not yeah. there. I'd hear me. I I. Um, yeah, I'm just still trying to get the joy of cooking. So you enjoy cooking. Like that's something that I do. I do enjoy cooking, but I, it definitely has not come naturally to me at all. And I was, I mean, if you could just have heard some of the things I've done in the kitchen and the just the, <laughs> the idiotic mistakes, but I just, um, I'm not a great cook. Like I'm not, I'm not one of your Martha Stewart's or whatever, okay. but I, I'm learning a lot and I'm really enjoying that process. And I guess, I guess I'm learning how great of a blessing it can be when you put your heart into a meal and serve it to somebody or or even just, you know, to your family. A million percent. I mean, I agree with you. I know that the, 
I trust, I do cook. I do cook. I have to like change our heart posture. We have a saying in Revelation 1 about turning all of our have tos into get tos to really see uh-huh. this. I like get to. This is a grace. This is a gift. This is what happens. You know, we're so, we're funny people when our blessings become our burdens. Like, oh, I have to cook. How many people love to go to a refrigerator or a store and just get what you want? So I think this time of COVID-19, even as we're recording this, has reset a lot of people with cooking. I know we were cooking a lot at the very beginning, and now I'm getting to the point of like, okay, everyone, what's... I know so three, what, the three meals a day, seven days a week. No yes. sight. It is a little bit different. Yeah. And for you, Tilly, it's just, y'all know Tilly has uh, three kids under the age of five. Is that correct? That's right. Five, yeah. Five, the oldest is five. Yeah. So yeah, you are constantly serving something. Most the kitchen is always open to some degree. Yeah. <laughs> so then tell me, I love, let's sit on the, let's, let's like try and reset people for the gift of like food prepping and cooking. So we always get a lot of questions around that. Like what's been something about that that you have found like a rhythm or something that feels like, you know, a blessing from God kind of maybe reframe that for people. Hmm. Yeah. I just, I know that, that when you've spent a lot of years dieting and so you have, and, and maybe one kind of diet that you sort of stuck with or diets that you've changed through the years it makes, I do think it makes cooking even more burdensome than it necessarily is going to be. Um, mm. because you're, you're not just weighing, uh, how can I make something delicious? How can I feed my family? How can I, um, buy something and make something that, that I've never made before. You're also weighing and measuring in your mm-hmm. mind, all of those numbers and all of those facts that are sort of jumbled up in there. And, um, and it just, it, you forget to ask like, what what would be delicious, you know, like what would be um, delicious and, and nutritious and, and that uses these incredible ingredients that I have access to. Um, mm-hmm. and just if I was looking to God in gratitude for what he's made available to me, which is absolutely unprecedented historically, the fact that we can walk into a grocery store, like you said, and get yeah. um, basically any flavor that's ever, ever existed. Um, the fact that we all have access or mi- or most of us, I should say, have access to a lot of different flavors. Um, yeah. You know, if we can look at that and say, how can I accept this as a gift from my father and learn to turn a profit on it so that yeah. I can bless other people with this? I love that. Learn to turn a profit on it. That's so good. All right. So why don't you, I started reading your book, couldn't put it down. My husband was like, please turn it off please. We're going to bed because I wanted to like get into your right. You're a fabulous writer, by the way. Also, you are a writer for different places like the gospel coalition as well as yeah. some other uh, con- contribute in other places. But I love that you hit on those four food categories. Um, we've kind of talked about that too here at Revelation Wellness about people falling into that cycle of obsessing or neglecting. That's kind of the big mm-hmm. two, but you kind of put it into, it's like, Oh, she's, She's highlighting even inside that obsession, neglection, neglecting, there's this other paradigm. So talk about those four food groups. Yeah. So I, it's, it's sort of like two sets of twins that I talk about. So they're on opposite ends of each other and there's two sets of them. You could say there's like two sets of twin vices, maybe um, ways that we get off, off center when it comes to food. So the first one I talk about is aestheticism, which is that sort of fear of pleasure, love of rules, 
that that idea that God is as stingy as we are, um, mm. and that anything mm-hmm. anything pleasurable must be um, bad in some yeah. way. And yeah, and that's and you see this everywhere. Just the 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 really moral language that people use around food. Like I've been so bad today. I've been so, mm. um, or I, or even mm. like with cleansing or something, this idea that you can flush impurity out of your life by following mm. a certain diet. And, and that's mm. very, that's very common for people because we are such religious people and we're worshipers. And when we turn that um, attention, that worshipful attention towards food, it quickly becomes a set of rules that we can sort of stave yeah. off death. Um, so, mm. yeah, so asceticism, this, this fear of pleasure, love of rules. On the other end of that, you have just gluttony where you just, you cannot stop. Um, mm-hmm. You long past the point of enjoyment, you're still eating, you're still looking for the pleasure that is sort of evading you. Um, yeah. and, and that was, that's obviously, I think, one of the reasons you end up in, in the asceticism ditch is that you've spent so much time in the gluttony ditch that you're just trying to get control. You know, you're just mm. like, I can't, I can't stop this. I don't know how to stop this. I'm, I need some more rules to help me. Um, and so I talk a lot about just the act of sitting down at a table. Like maybe, maybe gluttony is not enjoying food too much. Maybe it is enjoying food too little. And without oh, your, I need you to stop. You have to stop right there. You guys everyone take note on that. All the revelation wellness instructors, are like, wait, say that again. That I read that in your book. I was like, oh, that mm-hmm. is true. That that is exactly what gluttony. Gluttony is not enjoying it too much. It's enjoying it too little. Like we're not even, we're not even tasting the food. We're not even mm-hmm. in no gratitude with yeah. other people, the table, mm-hmm. and really pre- it's all the lack of presence. It's just mm-hmm. a like overdoing of pleasure. Give me, give me more. Yeah. And it's not working. And so I'm going to have to keep going back. Um, and that That's is so, so such a big, has been such a big part of my life, obviously as a, as a binger and purger for all those years, it's not like I was just loving all that food. You know, it's not like I was just having such a great time um, mm. or, or just enjoying those tastes so much. Mm. If anything, so I never good. really got hold of that, of that food they got to provide That's great. Okay. So, um, the other, the other two sets of twins are mm-hmm. snobbery, uh, snobbery and apathy. So snobbery would be like the social sins, the ways that we fail to love one another well around food. Um, so maybe, you know, that person who just always has to be the, the first to hear about some, some fancy new ingredient. Um, you know, something, uh, some cool new diet and who's just um, going to make you feel bad because you aren't doing what she's doing or, um, or maybe the person who's unable to sit down and eat a meal with someone else because she has all these um, sort of hangups, I guess, around food. And so, yeah, I think the main, the main point in that chapter is just that whenever scripture does talk about food and rules around food, especially in the New Testament, it's talking about how we cannot let food separate us. We cannot let um, our attitude towards food become a wall between us when food is really meant to be a a way that we knit our hearts together. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Mm -hmm. yeah, and that's, you know, 
just whenever whenever Paul brings it up, it's all about don't make them feel bad. If they eat and you don't eat, don't look down on them. If you if you don't eat and they do, don't don't um yeah, don't don't belittle them because they're not as free as you are. So just living living um lovingly with one another. You you mentioned in the book on, on that topic, I think in snobbery is like the people <laughs> the people that have to bring something to the party that is their thing mm-hmm. that they can yeah. eat that is yeah. quote clean. Like you brought your own meal. Yeah. 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 That is a really, that was a good point. Cause I, I know people that would do that, but I think mm-hmm. and it always comes back to like, even us, I think and what you're talking about, like food is supposed to bring us together. And if we get caught up as, Christian people who are living well or doing this plan or that plan that we could easily start comparing what other people are doing inside this faith and fitness thing, whatever, where it always should come down to gracious assumptions for people. Like even the people that are being snobbery don't return back with snobbery in a sense. You know what I mean? Like don't use the same weapon back. I'm like, okay, yes. But yes. just praying for one another's freedom. Otherwise, we backbite each other. And we are mm-hmm. telling, expecting someone else should eat my plan or their plan. Mm-hmm. And the hope is that freedom is contagious. Wouldn't you agree? Like people that can not yeah. be bound to any rule and are present to the table and to people. It's infectious. Yeah. It's it attractive infectious. and infectious. Yeah. And yeah. it's a work. Like that takes, in a world that we live in, that's constantly <laughs> feeding us new information about good food, bad food, you know, what combination of things work and what don't. And it's a, you it's have a to, work. you have to be, yeah, you have to take, um, I think, be a steward of your eyes and of your mind and of what you yes. allow yourself to get let off reading online or what, you know, you could spend hours, you can spend days just going off on these rabbit trails mm-hmm. online. And, and, and even, you know, I, I get done writing this book and three days later, I, I Google what a celery juice or something, you know, I can still spend minutes being like, Man, this sounds yeah. a so lot of this here. Tilly, does it still snag you from time to time? Does it oh, still absolutely. like? Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, I mean, I'm in. I've been in quarantine for two months. <laughs> uh, we've been we've been really enjoying the baking, you know. But um, have I have I turned turned over my life to food for you know periods of time? Absolutely. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It, it, these it things is. are still helpful to me too. Amen. That's so good. I know. I always tell people. Just because I wrote it and I said it doesn't mean I perfected it. it I, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of it and I'm responsible for knowing it now, but it's going to constantly be a work of the cross, like over and over, death to my flesh. So I love that you're acknowledging the process. Okay, then let's do apathy. What's apathy as a food group? Yeah, so apathy, if, if maybe if snobbery is caring too much about the perfect ingredient, the perfect whatever, um, then apathy would just be this this attitude of like, yeah, I mean, um, a frozen dinner is just as good as whatever, you know, a French chef would cook or, you know, maybe, maybe even a reaction to the snobbery to say like, I don't care. Like McDonald's is the same as whatever, you know, just this, this kind of maybe a refusal to really look at what God has provided and appreciated and maybe learn, um, maybe learn something new, you know, learn something new about it. Totally. Yeah. So Tilly, um, if someone came to you and said, okay, 
Yeah, I see those four. I see those two sets of twins. I've shown up to them in my life in many ways. Probably each of us have maybe had different seasons where you felt stronger mm-hmm. in one. Yeah. What? What's the answer? What's well, the, the short answer is Jesus Christ. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, that's, the, that's why I like. I was, I was raised in Sunday school. I know the answer. <laughs> yeah, always um, Jesus. <laughs> but but seriously he does intend to feed us on himself and he does intend for us to be satisfied in him and then he goes above and beyond that to give us these physical pleasures these things that are totally in excess you know it's just it's mm-hmm. like it's almost like he just enjoys creating new delights in his world and um and it's it's over and above what what he needed to do. You know, he he didn't need to create these things for our enjoyment. Yeah, um, yeah. So. Can you tell me what your practice of like bringing your heart to the Lord? Maybe go back to the time because I think your testimony is probably what really releases a lot of power for mm-hmm. people. Like, oh, testimony. Mm-hmm. What did that look like when you started to turn your heart to God? What? <laughs> scales fella what were the things that god went after in yeah. your relationship with food yes yeah. so one of the things i i talk about later in the book is just how um a lot of these issues around food um they kind of rush in to fill an empty space like you have you have an empty space in your mind and in your heart you're you're needing something to worship and this kind of rushes in to automatically fill that space mm-hmm. and so just realizing that the more you are maturing in the Lord, the more you are becoming a student of scripture and a, and a person of prayer and a, um, as you become a more mature woman <clears throat> who knows the Lord, a lot of these things weed, they get weeded out. Um, almost, I would I wouldn't say automatically, but, but it becomes much more natural to you to recognize, you know, that that's a crazy that's a crazy attitude to have around food or no, that's not something I need to give my time and attention to um, because this is so just, and that's, you know, you're learning to once again, to serve through food and the Lord is, you know, growing that sort of habit in you. Um, You're learning to try and and bless the socks off your family, you know, at the table. Um, Mm. I do. I remember really distinctly when I was dating my current, now husband. Um, but when we were dating, you know, I was, I was still really in the grip of trying to get free from the, from the bulimia specifically. And, and did, um, did he know at the time that you were struggling oh, with it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He was, he was very, um, you know, I, I came into this community as kind of a wounded bird and I was also off limits for dating purposes for him, I think for, um, you know, the first year and a half or so, because, you know, they didn't know how this is going to turn out for me. So, mm-hmm. um, anyway, but, but it was still definitely, um, one of the things I was dealing with as we were dating. And I, I remember I started cooking a meal for us to share, um, as our date. So we'd have these weekly porch sits at the house that I was being hosted at. And, um, I just, he was like, what can I do to help you in this struggle that you're having? And I said, this is what you can do. Like us, me, cooking a meal and then sitting here in this, on this beautiful porch and giving my attention to you and to this food is 
absolutely the practice that is the most helpful for me, you know? That's so, amazing. Yeah. Can, do you mind if I ask, um, was your childhood like that with your relationship with food? Was there a table? Was there a healthy like gathering space yeah. there? Yeah, we definitely ate. We ate together as a family um, and we, we enjoyed good food. Um, I, I definitely started the overeating and the returning back to the table sort of for, for the pleasure and the comfort pretty early on. Um, and there was also, there was definitely a strong culture of diets in the, in the home. I do remember, you know, it was, there was regularly a, a diet book kind of passing through from one uh, parent to the yeah. other. Yeah. So as a young teenager, I was, um, I was already experimenting with diets. as a pretty young teenager and yeah, yeah it, yeah. it only spun out, I think from there. Can you uh, put your finger on the lie or the lies that you think pushed you towards this distortion with food and drove the bulimia? Yeah, I always say when I when I talk about the bulimia, I always say that it's it was a combination of um, of gluttony and um, vanity because it's this desire to continue on in that in that pleasure but without the consequences and then a very strong also idol of just physical beauty and wanting to be you know I wanted to be the most beautiful girl in the room you know I wanted to be um it was you know it was about being being personally glorified and um this is I I wrote a book about envy that that was that was my last book and it was, uh, I do go, go into probably more detail about the, the, the uh, food issue. I mean, about the bulimia um, in that, mm-hmm. book, but just because I wanted the glory of physical beauty so much that that was a pursuit I just had to be involved in. I had to be mm-hmm. running after that. It's so true. I always say like behind the thing we think we have to have well, we know that's an idol, but there's a broken heart. There's something that we, mm-hmm. or a lie or something that, you know, some of it is things we've received from people or some of us are just mm-hmm. born with a wound of like the, something the enemy is trying Fallen to world. destroy yeah. us. Yeah. Just to destroy mm-hmm. our Mago day from mm-hmm. day one. Um, and it's, it's a wicked thing when it comes to, um, it's a, a, a wicked fall or broken thing when it comes to dealing when the, when the enemy comes after food because like food is such a first of mm-hmm. all you can stop drinking you know stop using drugs like no one has to do that you will have yeah. to eat for the rest yeah. of your life yeah food so it's always gonna be there yeah it's always gonna be there so this is like of course like so underhanded of an enemy to go for a very good thing that God created and gave to he us. He always does there. though, doesn't he? He always goes for the doesn't good he? stuff. <laughs> yes, he's yeah. so underhanded. And yet he's so predictable. This one, like, man, if we could just see that whatever the thing is, it's whenever we take that good thing and make it our God thing. He's just like, take every good thing, make it a God thing. He doesn't care if we worship mm-hmm. him, just worship anything else but God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so your book does such a good job at just, I feel like undressing how Satan kind of hides out and, and reveals the good thing of what is at the core of food. Uh, was that, was anyone like an author, any um, inspired you or blogger, anyone inspired you to write this book? Yeah, there, there was a book that I read two years ago um, that was 
so awesome that I think it, yeah, I would say it was responsible probably for me wanting to write about food, but it was written maybe 50 years ago. Um, oh, wow. By a man named, it? It, uh, yeah, the, the, um, the author was uh, Robert Capon and the book is called The Supper of the Lamb. And I would definitely highly recommend it. I think I mentioned it multiple times in the book. I'm going to write that, The Supper of the Lamb. The Supper of the Lamb. It's a beautiful book. It, you might find the first mm-hmm. chapter a little difficult to sort of get interested, but once you get into it, it is worth your time. It's awesome. That's so awesome. So what do you want the woman or the man listening right now to know? What do you want them to know? I want them to know that food is a gift and not, not just a burden. It is, it is um, something that God has given and intends for them to enjoy and to use well. And I think that's, I think of all the messages um, that we find it difficult to believe at the moment about food. I think that that's, that's the one right now, just in this moment, in this sort of cultural moment. And what would you want people to know about Jesus? He is, he is good. And he died to redeem you. Mm. Yeah, what a gift. Okay, now I get to ask some fun questions. These are just like kind of a little bit like wellness game show questions, which is fun things to know about Tilly. Tilly, what's your favorite way to move your body? <laughs> I actually do Zumba. Um, I, I did, ah. I, yeah, I got, I got Zumba certified like 10 years ago and it's still, I, I just picked it oh. up again last year, yeah. <laughs> So yeah. you merengue and salsa and yeah. you do it all. Yeah. You guys, like you need that. to see Julie's. I, that's like <laughs> girl from the South getting her Zumba on. Yeah. That's so good. I love it. Yeah, I wouldn't call it from the pastor's wife, but. <laughs> it's so good. That's amazing. Do you guys have like classes at your um, church and when you gather? You yeah, we, we don't have them at the church, but there's a, there's a lady in the church who has, has, I've done a little class with just a few little lady church um like early this nice. year and that was really fun just to read nice. to remember that stuff yeah nice okay so zumba is your go-to that's your your workout choice your movement choice um a favorite pair of like yoga pants who's where <laughs> do you get them that's funny I've, I've never um been into them until this year i ordered some from what's the <laughs> two for 26 company i can't remember the is it fat it has fat, fat. Fabletics? Yes, that one. Fabletics, yeah. They're good. Those yes. were your first, you started with Fabletics? I'm pretty sure that was my first like full-on yoga pants. So yeah, um, and they well have treated me very well. They're really good running. I've, I've just noticed they stay put so well for a run. So I like that. See, these, I'm telling you, people, these are things we want to know. Where, mm-hmm. <laughs> where's the, yoga, okay. where's the stay put yoga <laughs> pants that yeah. they can be saggy butt yeah. or knees? Yeah, those are <laughs> well, stay put. Wait, and the fact that you just started wearing them about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I mean, maybe my definition of yoga pants is off, but I, I guess I didn't think of anything I owned before as yoga pants. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. Coffee, kombucha, or tea? What's your go-to? Oh, oh my goodness. If I was wealthy, I would be drinking kombucha like all day long. Or if I, I was still it. making it, because I used to, yes. I, I definitely was brewing. Um, and I killed yep. my, I killed my guy. Mother but, um, yeah, killed I killed mother. the mother. Yeah. 
Um, and I could get another and I just haven't yet this year. I tend to be really in kombucha. Um, I, I tend to crave it in the summer and then in the winter, I kind of let it drop off and die. But, um, and then I'm a tea twice a day girl. So tea I have a twice black a tea day? that I like. Yeah. Yeah. Cold or hot? Hot tea. Oh, oh, this is a hot black tea. It's a, it's a specific Ooh. Yorkshire tea that a British lady in her church got all of the ladies in the church into. So, um, everybody. But he drinks Yorkshire over here. <laughs> That's amazing. My husband is actually from Yorkshire in the United Kingdom. He's, he's oh, British. Wow. You got a yeah. British husband. I got oh. a British husband. Yeah. Oh, yes. And I'm Mexican. Do the math there, Tilly. Yeah. Mexican wow. marries a Brit. It's the beginning of a bad joke. A Mexican <laughs> and a Brit get married. No, it's by God's grace. God's grace. That's all I have to say. God is God is real and true that we are we are married 22 years. So that's awesome. Well, that was fun. Thanks for letting us have a peek into your life. So the book comes out. Tell people when it comes out in case we're before or behind the release date. Yes, it's the first week of June. I can't give you the number, but it's it's definitely the first week of June. So come out awesome. real quick. Well, I so am excited for this book. I think people are going to, um, I know the Revelation Wellness community is going to love it and it's going to bless many to get, it just feels like you're, you have the right heart, get us the, the right heart back again with food and the gift that it is. So what a blessing. Okay. Thank you, Tilly, for being here. Thanks for I'm having so me. It's been great. Me too. All right. I'll talk to you again soon. Peace. Okay. Bye-bye.